0: Hello and welcome to the Becker's Healthcare Health IT plus Revenue Cycle Management virtual event. I'm Laura Deirda, an Editor-in-Chief at Becker's Healthcare, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by Suja Chandra Sekharan, who is the Chief Information and Digital Officer of Common Spirit Health for our keynote session titled, Lessons Learned, Managing IT Operations During a Pandemic. Now before we jump into our prepared questions, I wanted to turn the floor over to Suja to tell us a little bit about herself and her background and what she's doing right now with Common Spirit.
1: Laura, thank you. Uh, I um, have been with Common Spirit. I'm, I'm just under a year now with Common Spirit Health. And prior to this, I led technology and digital um, in other consumer technology, as well as retail companies. And uh, I have transitioned into healthcare over uh, to Common Spirit Health. So it's, it has been just under a year. I lead the whole spectrum of cybersecurity and infrastructure and software, um, digital technologies, digital patient-centric capabilities, um, data and analytics. And uh, so I, I pretty much lead that whole spectrum for uh, common
0: spirit health uh, for, our, all, for our entire system. Fantastic, and I know it's been an incredibly busy time. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, Common Spirit is at the forefront of innovation in healthcare delivery. It has a sprawling network of 137 hospitals, more than a thousand care sites in 21 states. And that includes many of the COVID-19 hotspots, such as California, Washington, Arizona, and Texas. You know, what has it been like leading through this pandemic?
1: Yeah, Laura, Common Spirit Health, we maintain a steadfast commitment to taking care of our communities the health needs of the communities, especially during this challenging time in every way we can. Uh, Those of us in health health have a special responsibility and a unique opportunity to lead with a certain reassurance in this time of uncertainty. Uh, And and we have a a very strong mission and purpose and our values drive towards that uh, patient-centric focus. So here's how we approached um, the COVID situation. So I would say um, our people Patients, communities, our own employees have been a number one priority for us. Making sure our employees are protected also has been a focus. Um, and at the same time, our front-end providers are in the front end of this battle, and uh, supporting our providers and clinicians in 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 every way we can. And I will give you some examples. So uh, in the early days, as you remember, right, it, uh, the the COVID started. the Pacific Northwest and it sort of has been going around the country on a tour and uh, we've been setting up surge capacity so in those states where typically there is a surge there is a need for additional capacity in front of the emergency rooms maybe a check-in tent um, or in some locations we've set up entire hospitals we've converted a stadium in uh, near Sacramento into a complete COVID hospital um, or, in one case, with a joint, uh, in a joint situation with another system, we have built, uh, stood up a pretty much any hospital. So, uh, any of those search capacities and putting the technologies there, and whether it is Wi Fi or whether it is the required devices and the software, so, search, supporting the search capacity was a major focus. Through the days, also, then there were a lot of content that needed to be created and updated in the clinical solutions and the health record systems. Um, the workflows needed to be adjusted, uh, addressed. Uh, the content needed to be updated. The new roles, people were coming and going and, and new roles had to be updated. So there, were, there was quite a bit of a spike in a surge. I would say at least a thousand plus um, clinical system updates. There was a fair amount of data work that needed to be done. We had, we had, we had just merged as two separate systems and uh, to make sure we had timely up-to-date information on the number of uh, COVID cases, number of cases in, uh, in uh, ICUs, uh, PPE inventory, ventilator inventory, uh, persons under investigation, so data just making sure the, get the data was stitched together um, and being available to our people at a fairly near real-time situation, so there was a fair amount of data work. Uh, infrastructure, we were upgrading infrastructure capacity, network and wireless and, and infrastructure bandwidth, There was a fair amount of lift that happened in the work from home as well. We quadrupled uh, our work from home literally from one week to the next week in March. So we went from a a couple of thousand uh, where people working from home to north of 10 to 12,000 people working from home. Uh, Cybersecurity, uh, the vulnerabilities on cyber got quite uh, interesting, it still is. So continuing to be vigilant and continuing to protect our system um, has been a focus. And we'll talk more, I think uh, you're pretty, uh, we we should talk a little bit more about our, uh, what we have done on the digital side in terms of patient centricity and virtual and
0: everything. Absolutely, I know it kind of looking through all those responsibilities, it seems like you do a little bit of everything in terms of making sure that the health system is safe and operational. So there's a ton of responsibilities on the chief technology side. Um, when you're looking at how you coordinate all of that, what did you learn about your IT teams over the past few months? Are there any new roles or skills that you've had to develop um, or that are emerging as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic?
1: Yeah, um, it, our teams have been working very hard. I'm very grateful to our teams and also remember we are at the in, in some of our teams sit in the facilities in the clinical in the hospitals and the clinics and uh, right this moment there are some infection rates that are going up so these people are putting themselves at risk to serve uh, our system and I'm very thankful to that very grateful for that we love our values every day collaboration and compassion um, without that we couldn't and COVID is something so unprecedented Nobody nobody can say, hey, I know how to deal with this crisis. So collaboration is the name of the game. And as a as a system, we have multiple command centers that run every day and, and, our, and our chief medical officer runs a daily command center call that I'm part of. And there is multiple such command centers. And, um, but in terms of specific skills, we have been on a path of assessing our own skills, even prior to COVID and that only intensified during COVID. But uh, certainly some of the pivots that we're looking at are uh, building an engineering centric organization. So a tech engineering centric organization. So a fairly robust technology expertise, a fairly strong financial value creation, right? So while we're serving our patients, we also have to make sure that we are creating value in the process. So um, a value creative approach uh, agile approaches, so um, not take, uh, in the old days, we used to have 10, 15 years back, we did projects that were that ran for months and years. So uh, being able to move and move with agility and speed, creating value, incremental value, it still has to work. It has to drive patient safety quality, but at the same time, it doesn't take that long. It's more weeks, couple of weeks, not even a couple of months. Uh, but then you, incre- you keep incrementally improving it and enhancing it. Um, and then digital workplace. So uh, we are working together now, you and me, and uh, we are using technologies and tools, but enhance that, multiply that with a system of about 150,000 employees. So creating that physical workplace in a digital manner so that we could collaborate with even heightened efficiency in and in a heightened productivity. And of course, we always continue to need to uh, update on AI skills. So those are some of the pivots I would say that uh, we're already being considered and already we were building a path towards that and that amplified during COVID.
0: Absolutely. And it definitely underscores just how important it is to have the capabilities to um, have so many people go virtual, go remote, and still be able to collaborate and come together uh, across such a large system. I know another aspect of it is being able to provide virtual care. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how Common Spirit has approached the, the virtual care or telehealth um, as well as some of the remote work that we've already talked about, and then data gathering and communication in the past few months. Um, what lessons have you learned and what do you think you'll need in the future in order to continue being successful in these areas?
1: Yeah, so I'll, I'll start with the employee, employee centricity first, and uh, certainly beyond video conferencing. I see where digital workplace is something beyond email and video conferencing, what do we need? Um, we are we are building. We're in the process of deploying an employee return to, to work app, which has got a fairly uh, robust set of capabilities around uh, how many people are there in a building, uh, who are all in a particular floor, which vendors are coming in, and so we can trace we can trace exposure tracing as well as contact tracing, um, and use also use that to have message bursts or so messages and communicate to 150,000 people very quickly. So we are, we are in the process of building and deploying a, an employee app, um, as well as much more robust content collaboration, file sharing, uh, internal social network, virtual private assistance inside the company. So there's a whole robust digital workplace, a digital roadmap in, for our internal workplace that changes the way we think and work, but it also spurs a different culture, right? So it's not just about the tool, but it's a different mindset. And, uh, and, and thinking and, and working differently. So we have a great story on uh, virtual visits. So I remember vividly in the early March timeframe, uh, at that point, it was still Pacific Northwest was hot and we saw this, it was a pretty infectious vital disease that was spreading and then it became a pandemic. It became a very bad, vital uh, epidemic to so it became, it, it's plurged it's in front of us as a pandemic and as you were watching, um, there were some early call outs of some urgent care visits and people offering uh, coupons and everything. So we immediately spurred into action. And I believe we are one of the very first in the provider space that just completely expanded on the, on the virtual care offering, as well as the uh, tests, uh, doing a, a COVID test was scarce then. It's still somewhat scarce even today. It's gotten better, but it's still scarce. So the screening components of being able to check your symptoms and where you went and just the screenability of that and stood up chat bots and we had an urgent care virtual capability, but then we also turned all our clinical visits uh, to be available in a virtual format. Within a matter of two weeks, we scaled it and rolled it to pretty much our entire system of physicians. And we went from something like uh, almost next to nothing, I would say maybe 1%, 2% of our total visits were virtual. And we scaled it, we watched it go uh, uh, to 10,000 visits, 20,000, 50,000. So we kept seeing that go in tens of thousands to a point where at some point we were doing on a range of between 40 to 70% of all our visits were virtual. And all of this, we took care of it in, a, in, in our physician enterprise. Our teams did a fantastic job training our physicians, setting up the technology capabilities, putting the measures and metrics, looking out for provider experience as well as patient experience. So we had a robust game and and, uh, and we took care of all, everything, right? So It's also a, a, an award reward conversation as well. But we didn't stop right there. We continued through this virtual journey and we have this vision of a virtual care continuum with the, with the virtual care in the communities, virtual care in acute settings inside the hospitals. We talked about the ambulatory, the clinical visits, and then of course also post-acute. So we have a very robust vision on virtual. And right now we are scaling on on virtual ICUs. ICUs are in Texas, Arizona, SoCal. It's, It's a pretty tough situation right now as we speak. And so we are standing up virtual ICU capabilities as we speak virtual intensivist um, and even virtual emergency capability. So uh, we've embraced this, we've embraced this robustly. We are looking for ability to scale these with in a very agile way. It's not something that takes two years to deploy. It's more like two weeks. We ideate, we envision, we pilot, test, get the, uh, of course it's very clinically partnered. Our clinicians are with us and then we scale it and we measure it. We put so much measures and metrics on it. And we continue to improve it operationally. So, a pretty robust virtual uh, care journey. And then, uh, of course, I, I talked about inside uh, uh, inside our company as well.
0: Absolutely, that's really impressive to be able to scale all that in such a short time frame. And then, you know, uh, thinking really innovatively in order to make sure that patients have what they need to get the best care possible, even in the ICUs and busy hospitals. So, um, that's extremely impressive. The next thing I was wondering about, we talked a little bit about this in the beginning, and it's looking a little bit more um, to the future. You've mentioned that health systems embracing patient-centric technology are more likely to win in the future than those that are kind of trying to still operate the way they did before the pandemic or in a more traditional sense. What do you think are the most urgent technologies that Common is focused on today to really deliver a great patient experience?
1: I I rarely start a conversation just focused on technology. So I would start it from that user-centric mindset. So we have broken and and we have created a roadmap of around 12, 13, 14 different products. So integrated digital front doors is a product. Um, And search schedule we found is a product. Digital content is a product. So we have 12, 14 such products and it's, a, it's once again a very agile feature function based scaling game on each of the products. And underneath the product is a very robust digital health platform. And the platform is a combination of data and user experiences and AI infused capabilities or a, a process automation that is done through a robotics automation. Or in some cases, perhaps there is a blockchain based um, enforcement of veracity. So it's different technologies that's a, it's a confluence of multiple technologies that brings it together. But we really put the emphasis on the, on the outward looking on the patient looking capabilities that's then lit up based on the underlying technologies. But as I had quoted earlier with Becker's, um, it's really just one technology that pops or, or creates. It's, it's anything that is built and designed with the user and centricity in mind and, uh, and keeps up with that maturation of the technology. Every technology is not the same. I've done AI ML for several years now. I remember the early days when uh, there was hardly any libraries at all and you had to hand code everything. So now there are much more robust libraries available and, and much more of robust integrated data and, uh, and AI ML platforms. And every technology sort of goes through its own maturation. Um, we have thermal sensors that we have stood up. I think uh, that's even though the temperature is a lagging indicator of COVID, but we have temperature thermal sensors with a screening capability that uh, that, that that gives us the ability to do one level of filtering before somebody comes into a facility, whether it is a systems facility or whether it's a clinical facility. So it's uh, it's different products, different use cases, different technologies. But uh, we apply them as it's appropriate and uh, we embrace technology, we embrace it, We but it's very, user and outcome centric.
0: Got it, that makes sense. Um, And when you're looking at the technologies, whether they're patient uh, experience technologies or really any technologies um, going forward, what do you see as really being important for you to invest in, especially given the financial impact of the pandemic on um, common spirit as has been the case for hospitals and health systems across the country? Um, What is really still essential um, given a limited budget?
1: we certainly, patient-centric, consumer-centric capabilities. I see the, um, the way to connect with our customers, with our consumers, and be able to offer them meaningful solutions, whether it's a self-friage, a self-assessment, um, or they are searching for a particular care uh, or, or a family of care, and being available to them um, and taking care to them, not just bringing them to where we are. And uh, and, and making it sort of the omni-channel. I, I come from retail, so I use this word omni-channel, which is very similar to what you do in in retailers. We order a product, it comes home. Uh, maybe you order a couple of sizes, you keep one, you return one, right? So think of a journey where you, you have a symptom, you Google it, and as a part of that symptom checker, you find the, the clinic and you, and you take a virtual visit. The doctor orders a, uh, a, a test kit, your test kit comes home. You do a swab or a mobile diagnostics unit comes and takes your, your specimen and uh, the result comes back. You meet your physician along with the result. I mean, you, you can keep stitching that journey together, which is a combination of digital experiences as well as physical experiences. And in the, in the end, you have a prescription and the prescription is ordered and it comes to you. Some, it gets shipped to you. So making sure that we have all of that stitched together in a frictionless journey and uh, and even frictionless payments, touchless payments, frictionless payments, and, um, and, and measurements, right? Ratings and reviews and bringing in the transparency, similar to what we all do in a, as a consumer and being able to measure that satisfaction, patient satisfaction, make it transparent. And, uh, and, and, in, and enable all of those through the technologies. Now, all of these is not gonna be built in a day. It's a roadmap. It takes time. It's one feature. It's, it's a set of feature functions that are creative of value at a time. Um, but we, it, it is about making consistent progress. It is consistent, continuous improvement and progress with a very clear mission, a very clear vision um, that grounds us and centers us.
0: Excellent, thank you for walking me through that. And now I know another big aspect of Common Spirit's uh, response to the pandemic has been the data analytics side of thing, and being able to put together um, your data and, and roll out more of a predictive analytics in some cases. So I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about how you see the data analytics, the um, health system infrastructure evolving over the next 12 to 24 months. Um, both in response to the pandemic, as well as whatever you had planned for the future to to talk a little bit about um, what's in store for you there? It's a, uh,
1: the practice of medicine, the the practice of offering health is very much a data-driven or data-based effort. Um, When I I speak to our physicians and our clinicians, I definitely hear the word evidence-based medicine and evidence is based on data and either it's observed data or it is it is uh, data that's collected through the various interactions and engagements so and and data is very much part of what we do even through COVID, uh we built that near real-time dashboard that i spoke about earlier on uh every three letter acronym is looking for your data right The, the cdc the uh, the federal government, the state government. So there's a lot of different bodies that were looking for our data. And, and every time in, in February, every time there was a data, we were pulling data literally manually. So we, we built a, a capability in, in, uh, in about, it took us about two to three weeks to stand up the first iteration, And then we uh, progressively we've been adding to it and to the point that that's the only single source of anything that we go for COVID related work. But in addition to that, there's a lot of also outside outside looking. And I I consider COVID is a tipping point, not just for digital, but also data. I mean, think about the number of models that are out there uh, and the number of times we all refer to, okay, this the Johns Hopkins dashboard has become sort of a go-to place to go look at what's happening around the world and what's happening in my county. And and so data, it's become a very data-driven exercise. And we have leveraged a lot of those open source data and we have built models to project out uh, what to expect. Surge was something we knew was going to happen way back in uh, May, even though the numbers were looking like trickling down. If you look at the US graphs, they went down through March April and then they came down slightly and then they went up and we knew that we projected that through forecasts. And we also projected which zip codes and where these projections are going to happen uh, these surges are going to happen. And our operators took that to heat and, and that uh, sort of prepared us in a way to sort of plan what to anticipate. But not just that, we, are, we have several other data capabilities that we already have and we are working on and we will continue to work on. I personally think that the health record layered with consumer, kind of a, uh, a consumer set of attributes about uh, people behavioral attributes, um, genomics as another uh, information point, phenotypical information. So it's in the confluence of these different data sets, the real result and the real value for healthcare is going to come. And uh, we have started making a progress and I do think this is something that the industry will progress along. It's happening in in baby specific service lines, in specific care, care groups, care families. But in general, to be able to do something like that, um, I, we will see a lot of tipping points happen in the industry in general over the next two, three, five years, and, and of course, we will be uh, playing a crucial part in all of it.
0: that. It's fantastic to hear. Um, I have one more question before we wrap up here. What are you most excited about for the future and what do you think are the best opportunities for common spirit to really make a difference either in the patient experience or expand the capabilities for care in the future?
1: We are a, um, even though underneath our systems have various um, systems or, or that were formed hundred plus years back from the, the women religious, as in this format of common spirit health, it's only about a year and a half that we've been together. So I almost feel the energy of a startup and the, the boldness to dream, the audacity to dream that we can in fact change health for the country. I see that in uh, our CEO, I see that in our leaders, I see that in our people, I see that at the frontline worker. And uh, I think being present in 23 states with 13 divisions and with the scale of what we have, I am absolutely excited that we will put a dent. um, We will make a big impact in the shape of health, how it is offered access, affordability, convenience, addressing health equity, uh, addressing social determinants of health in a very meaningful, sustainable
0: way. Thank you so much, Suja, for enjoying, uh, joining us today. This has been a fantastic conversation. Um, I'm really you know, excited to continue the conversation with you in the future.
1: Laura, such a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me.